All right, welcome. The first two weeks we began looking at two assumptions. First assumption is that it is actually possible to meet with God, so we can meet with God. And the second assumption last week we saw is that we should. So just because something is possible doesn't necessarily mean we should do it. Um, so in this case, um, this it's possible and we should do it. And we saw that um, we should spend time with God in His Word. We should meet with Him in prayer. And uh, we defined a quiet time last time by uh, in this way. It's part of the day that we set aside for the worship of God, for the reading of the Word of God, and for fellowship with God so that we would know Him more, know ourselves in light of Him, and know the world according to His perspective. And so our time with God each day helps to recalibrate our perspective, right? If, if we are not being renewed in our minds by the Word of God, then our minds are being changed or transformed by this world, right? And that's why Paul says in Romans 12, you know, do not be conformed to this world. The, the idea there is that, that if we're not being renewed in our minds by the Scriptures, then we are being conformed to the world. And so this time each day is critical for us as Christians, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that today. We know that we can cultivate a relationship with God because of uh, this great high priest that we have, Jesus Christ, our mediator. We are sinful people, and, um, and yet um, God is holy, and, and because of that, we uh, are estranged from Him, and we need someone to span the gap between us and God, and, and Jesus is the one that does that. And so, because we have that high priest this high priest Jesus, Hebrews 4.16, 4, kind of our key verse for the course is, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in time of need. So, um, today we're going to talk specifically about two ways to cultivate a relationship with God. Um, and it is in the context of what Don Whitney calls in his book, Spiritual Disciplines, he calls it Bible intake. So we're, we're calling it meeting with God and His Word. We're going to look at that over the next two weeks. But he basically breaks it down into five sections, um, five parts of Bible intake that we can think about, and we're going to cover the first two of those. And um, part, of our, part of the challenge of living in a sin-cursed world that is opposed to God is is that our understanding is often based on uh, what other people say rather than on what God says. And so we, we need to be people of the book. One of the things that I pray for you uh, just about every week, um, I have a note to remind me, is that, that you and I would be people of the book, that we'd be people who know the Scriptures and love the Scriptures and who are committed to obeying the Scriptures and and yet, so many times our understanding about God comes from other places like bumper stickers or the media or from some book, you know, the, the latest popular Christian, in quotation, uh, Christian book. You know, a while ago it was uh, um, the boy who, you know, who went to heaven supposedly saw everything that was going on there and came back to the earth. You know, that was a popular one. And then the shack, that was a popular one. And then now the most recent one is some missionary that that's supposedly had all these visions and stuff, and he's he's met, uh, seen miracles happen and, and actually performed miracles, more miracles than the New Testament. Um, some Chinese missionary. So 
this that's the kind of the popular book now and and what I can tell you about all three of those books is they're all garbage they're they're not even worth the uh the dust jacket that they that they're sold with so um but the problem is is we we kind of we kind of leech onto things like that when we hear other people talking about these kinds of books and we think that that's really uh you know the place or the source of our theology don't get me wrong i think books can be a great source for us to learn things that's why i recommend a book here every month but but the primary source ought to be from the scriptures and i i think subtly we start to get wrong understandings of what what god wants us to think and we fail to get back to this one most needful thing which is to get back into the word and look for ourselves so let me just give you a couple examples of some of the kind of strange ideas that people uh, talk about and we just kind of grab onto because it sounds like bumper sticker theology um, without checking it against the Word of God. Here, here's the first example. I found Jesus. Well, if we understand what that means, if we if we put that in a context of of um, of saving faith and that we have to believe, then that's okay. But but if it means that then my whole life I've been searching for Jesus and I did it on my own apart from God, then then we're we're not taking into account Romans three ten, which says that no one seeks after God, right? No one. There is none righteous, not even one. Another uh thing that we pick up is something like this, God will accept you as you are. Um but yet we come across a story with the rich young ruler where Jesus doesn't accept him as he is, right? He says, no, you need to go and sell everything and come back and follow me. He knew that, that, that the rich young ruler had actually made um, his money, his idol, and he could not serve both God and mammon, right? He can't serve both of those. And so God will not accept you as you are. God accepts you uh, once you've been changed by the power of his spirit. And and so some of these ideas, you know, we, we hear and they sound good. You know, God helps those who help themselves and all sorts of other phrases that we we hear and they just sound so cliche, but they're actually not, some of them are not based on the scriptures and that's why we need to check these things against the scriptures. That's what we want to talk about this morning, uh, meeting God with God and his word. Let me pray and ask God for his help as we do this. Father, we thank you for your beauty. It does fill our eyes. Um, first looking, we were justified. When we first looked upon you, we came to saving faith. And now, as we look deeper, we are sanctified and we are growing. And one day we will be glorified when we look on you fully, where we will see your face. And we long for that day and pray that it would come quickly. But until that time, give us the strength to, to carry on. Lord, help us never to become complacent as Christians and to think that, that our past learning is enough. But, but help us to always be growing and, um, and learning and, and uh, building up, being built up in the most holy faith um, and help us to do it with the strength that your spirit supplies. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I think if I ask the question, do we need to be in God's word, all of us would say yes. And if I ask the question, do we need to be in God's word a little bit more, we would probably all say yes as well. And, and that's good. That's a good uh, impulse to have as a Christian that we need to be listening to God John 17:17 17, 17, remember Jesus is praying to his father and he says sanctify them in the truth your word is truth. So Jesus there is praying for the sanctification of 
his current disciples, and I think he's praying for all of us as well. He's saying, God, would you sanctify them? Would you change them through this daily process of making them righteous and conforming them into the image of Christ? You see, what Jesus is praying for is that we be like him. And this means that that we need to be in the Word. How, how are we going to be like Him? How are we going to be changed into the image of Christ? Well, that verse tells us, sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth. So the way that we get from you know, spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity and, and continual growth is through sanctification. The way that we're sanctified is through the, the Word of God. That's what Jesus prayed for. We, we cannot be left alone to think, well, you know, my past... I can kind of rest on my past laurels. God's Word is truth, and we need to be sanctified and be growing in it. Turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. I'm going to look at this section of Scripture here, which is, this is a psalm of praise and prayer to God from a man who has a, a high esteem for God's Word, a deep desire for God's Word. His, the, in fact, in almost every verse in Psalm 118 you have a description or a, um, an allusion to the Word of God. It's called precepts or testimonies or command or word. And um, nearly every single verse is talking about the Word of God. We want to look at just one section, verses 57 to 64, and see uh, five things that we can learn from, from here about our Bible intake. So let's, let's read the first couple of verses here. The Lord is my portion... I promise to keep your words. I sought your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your word. So the first thing we see is that God's word is the basis for grace. See that in the second part of verse 58. Be gracious to me according to your word. So on the basis of your word, pour out your grace upon me. According to your promise, God, God, give me grace. Verse 59. I consider my ways and turn my feet to your testimonies. So the idea is, is, as I was considering my ways, I turned my feet to, to your testimony. So God's Word humbles us. God's Word humbles us. It causes us to look at Him. And, and I, we've talked about humility. And humility is viewing God as He is, that is, in His full holiness, and then us as sinful as we are. So our, ourselves in light of God, that's humility. And what... What God's Word does is it properly puts that perspective. Do you see, um, when we are born, we are born sinners, and we're think, we think that we don't need God, we think we can be independent of God, and we grow into that kind of mindset, and we, we become more and more steeped into it until we're, we're pulled out of that by the power of the Gospel, by the power of the Spirit. And then we finally start to see that, you know, we're not... Um, the, the, the world doesn't revolve around us like we once thought it did, Right? We thought everything was about us. And as we come to know God, and, and particularly in salvation, we come to know that God is actually at the center of everything and everything revolves around Him. And we simply are just one of the planets, so to speak, that revolve around Him. We, we, we live to, to display His glory. And that's what the Scriptures do. do. The, the more that we see uh, God for who He is and the more we see ourselves as, as we are, then we start to see that great chasm that's fixed between us between us the finite people and god the infinite and uh that's why the scriptures are important thirdly god god's word is more 
powerful than, than any enemy. Verse 61, we'll read verses 60 and 61. I hastened and did not delay to keep your commandments. The cords of the wicked have encircled me, but I have not forgotten your word. So although the cords of the wicked ensnare me, he's saying your word is what protects me. It's more powerful than right, what the New Testament says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Verse 62, at midnight I shall rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous ordinances. So God's word leads us to praise him. We saw this on Wednesday night that David said, you know, when you deliver me, God, I will praise you. I promise to praise you. I want to give you the, the glory. So we go to God because he is worthy of our praise. And as we go to him, we start to see him for who he is. And as a result, we praise him. And, and so there's, there's kind of a circular effect. We go to God because he's worthy. And we go to his word because he sends us back there to, to praise him. And then finally, verse, uh, we'll read the last two verses here. The earth is, uh, I'm sorry, verse 63. I am a companion of all those who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. The earth is full of your loving kindness, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. The word of God leads us into the fellowship, leads us to fellowship with other believers. Leads us to fellowship with other believers. Verse 63 says, I'm a companion of all those who fear you. There's a common bond that we have because we are believers. That, 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 do you realize that, that we can come into a relationship with people uh, despite all of the differences that we may have, right? ethnically or socially or economically? We can come into a relationship with them and yet still have a common bond. Actually, we can, still, we can even have a difference in language. That's one of the great parts about uh, spending time overseas or with other missionaries and things is that you, you have this instant bond with people that you have no other commonality with except for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and this is not any different from uh, what was going on in the Old Testament, that, that God's Word led us to, to have this common fellowship with believers. All right, any questions on that? All right. The Bible is a book about God. It contains the message of salvation. It will lead us away from sin. It will remind us that we're not made for this world. It will tell us the truth of God. It's a book about God. It's not a book that we should read simply to make ourselves better, you know, the better you. When we read it, we should ask, what does this tell me about God? What does this tell me about God's character? What does this tell me about myself? What does it tell me about God's purposes? Turn to Acts 17 because this is a key passage that we... We cannot miss, and perhaps you already know this by heart, but but I, I don't want us to miss the point. Paul and Silas are preaching in the town of Berea, and of all people, who would we expect uh, for believers to trust more than, than the Apostle Paul? But notice what he says here. Um, or notice what the Word says here. Someone read verse 11 for us. All right, so the Bereans here are daily examining the Scriptures to see if what Paul and, and Silas are saying is true. 
whether it's from the scriptures, whether it's of God. This is what I began with. You know, this bumper sticker type theology that we come up with, we need to check those things against the scripture. But let me ask you maybe a little bit more pointed question. When I preach, do you take me at my word? Now, that's a trick question, so think about that for a second. Do you take me at my word? Because we might think, well, he's the pastor. We should take him at his word. We should just accept what he's saying is true. But but here's what Paul's saying is, don't do that. Okay, You need to question, you need to have a healthy skepticism for what people say is true. And the way that you test that and you test anything that's being said is, is with the Word of God. What did Paul say in Galatians 1? He said, if anyone comes to you with a different gospel other than the one that you received from the apostle, even if it's me or an angel from heaven, and I could add, or your own pastor, then let that person be accursed, right? That's what he said. And so, um, what, what needs to happen here is that that not it's not just the pastor who who guards the gospel, who makes sure that what's being said is true. It's the congregation that does, isn't it? That the congregation has responsibility. That, in fact, what Paul says in First Timothy is that the church is the pillar and the support of truth, not the pastor. Now, the pastor has a great job, an important job of of um, maintaining sound doctrine and refuting those who oppose it. Okay, So he needs to lead that charge, absolutely. But what happens when the pastor starts to go astray? Does the congregation automatically just follow him? No, they need to say, no, we're going to hold our ground, and if you don't speak the truth, then you need to be gone. Right? You, you need to leave from here. Uh, we're going to pass a um, sign-up sheet around if you want to help with um, refreshments for the morning. That would be great. All right, so the Brians are a great example for us because we need to make sure that we are committed to the text of the Scripture. And that's why I encourage you um, to, to come to church with a Bible. Come to church with a Bible and follow along as the Bible is being spoken because I have lots of things. I think they're good things. I think they're based on the Scripture, but you need to che- check that against what you see in the scripture. Okay, is he just kind of sucking this out of his thumb or you know, just pulling this out of midair or what? You know, is this some kind of magician ma- magician's trick here or is this actually from the scripture? You need to test what is being said against the truth of the scripture. So the Bereans are a great example for us of meeting with God in his word, but but um we also have this example in Jesus. Many times, in, you know, you might be thinking, well, you know, I just don't have time to test what's being said against the, the, the scriptures, right? Um, yeah, I've heard some of these things that have been said here in church, and I don't know if they're true, but I just don't have time to check these things. Well, you know what Jesus did? He took time out of his day, one-on-one with his Father, in order to meet with God. And, and who was busier than Jesus, Right? He had so many pressures on him for him to, to heal and to teach. People wanted, were constantly pressing in on him. And yet he took time away from his busy schedule in order to meet with God. And if Jesus met with God, how much more do we need to do the same? So we should follow Jesus in spending time alone. There's a couple passages you can look up on your, on your own. Um, but, but sometimes busyness is often a real hindrance to spending time with God. We live in a busy city. 
You know, we, we have lots of things going on, work, school, family, church, countless other things that are vying for our times, for our time. But, but remember the example of Christ. Despite all the, the pressures that he had as far as his time and schedule, he took time to meet with God. So what we want to do this morning is we want to look at the first two aspects that Don Whitney has in his book on spiritual disciplines. Um, the first two aspects of Bible intake. Okay, the, the first is hearing God's Word. The second is reading God's Word. And then next week we'll look at studying, memorizing, and meditating. All right, so let's start with hearing and reading God's Word. Uh, would someone turn to... Let me see a hand, someone that volunteered to read for me. Thank you, Eric. Nehemiah 8, 1-4. And then someone else. Jonathan, 1 Timothy 4, 13. Why don't we turn to Nehemiah with um, with Eric here? We'll have him read it, but be good for us too. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs. So Nehemiah eight. Ezra read God's word publicly to God's people after they had returned from exile, and Nehemiah is leading them in the rebuilding of the wall. And notice the the scriptural basis here for, for reading God's or hearing God's word. Verses 1 to 4. Eric. And all the people gathered as one man at the square, which was in front of the water gate. And as Ezra the scribe played the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Then Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it before the square, which was in front of the water gate. And 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 a bunch of other people. Oh. <laughs> you don't have to be embarrassed by all that, Eric. We'll, we'll just stop right there. No, you're doing well. I just uh, the main point is that uh, what Ezra came to do was to read God's word in front of all the people, and you kind of have this setting where you have the families and everybody just standing there listening to. The, the sound of God's word being spoken. Now, obviously, this comes at a day when not everyone had a, a copy of the scriptures in uh, of their own. So they're not coming with their own scrolls and saying, okay, where are you at, Ezra? Okay, you're right here. Okay, I'm going to take a look at this and see if what you're saying is true. Um, they they were reliant upon God's prophet, God's, God's man, to come and, and speak the word for them. And this would go on all the way, really, until the 1500s before... Uh, we'll talk about this in a minute, before the, the people were actually g- able to get a copy of the Scriptures in their hands. Uh, Jonathan, 1 Timothy 4.13. Until I come, give attention to public reading of Scripture, the exhortation and teaching. All right, so one of the things that Paul expects to happen in the congregation of believers is that there's a public reading of the Scriptures. We actually have two in our services the first one is where one of the men get up and speak right after the offering. And then the second is when I read before the sermon. So we actually have two two public readings of the Scripture that we do. And there are churches that do more, in fact. But but the point is is that, that this should be part of who we are, that, that we should be constantly uh, listening to God's Word speak. If we have lots of good ideas, maybe we've been reading a lot of 
Christian self-help books and we have a lot of good ideas that want to get out to people, maybe practical tips on how to do things, that, that, that can be helpful. But the main thing that we are here to do is to hear God speak. Don Whitney in his book writes, We are to discipline ourselves to go and hear God's Word. And then he says, and here's your blank, Hearing the Word of God is not merely a passive activity. It's a discipline to be cultivated. So hearing God's Word is not the same thing as hearing an academic lecture. It's going to hear the very words of God. And therefore, we must discipline ourselves to hear God's Word. Now, there's a lot more that we could say about that. Uh, that's your next blank, by the way. We must discipline ourselves. There's a lot more we could say about that as far as how to do that. I've got a little booklet that if you want to read it, you're welcome to have it. It's called Listen Up. And I think there are copies um, just outside of the bookcase uh, you can grab one uh, if you have if you don't have one already. Uh, if not, I have some more downstairs, so just let me know. It's called Listen Up, and it's basically just to give some practical tep- tips on how to do this very thing. In fact, Eric, can you go grab a couple of those if they're if they're out there? I want to make sure we have those. Um, some practical tip- tips on developing this discipline of listening to God's word being spoken. All right. Any questions or comments? All right, this one we want to spend a little bit more time on. That is reading God's Word. Um, reading God's Word. We, we certainly want to hear God's Word preached, but the main thing that we want to focus on is cultivating a relationship with God in this series of classes, particularly through our individual reading of God's Word. And, and so let me give you a couple motivations for this. First, a historical motivation. You realize that there was a time when reading God's Word was essentially impossible for the common man. Yeah, there's, i got plenty more downstairs, so if you want one, you can grab one after class. Um, you realize that there was a time when it was next to impossible for the common man to read God's Word. Okay? You couldn't just go to your bookshelf and pull off a Bible. You know, Down in my, my office, I have at least 20 Bibles, um, maybe more. All, all different kinds of study Bibles and, and Bibles in different languages and all sorts of things. And, and yet, that has not been the case historically. During the years leading up to the early 16th century, the Roman Catholic Church and the Church, Church of England would not allow a Bible to be published or written in the language of the common people. So that the only way that a person could know God's Word was to hear it preached by the, by the leaders of the church. And, and then what took place was the Reformation, right? And in 1516, Erasmus had his Greek translation of the Bible printed. One historian described the importance of that event like this. He said, this was the first time that the Greek New Testament had been printed. It's no exaggeration to say that it set fire to Europe. Luther would later translate it into his famous German version of 1522. In a few years, there appeared translation from Greek, from the Greek into most European vernaculars, and they were the true basis of the popular Reformation. That is, that when the Reformers were able to get a copy of the Bible into the hands of the people, this is what God used at that time to cause His Word to spread. Now, God's powerful to to cause His Word to spread in other ways. We saw it in Acts before there were copies copies of the Bible in the common man's hands. But but in this case, this is what God used to, to start the Reformation. Luther began devoting his life to getting the Word out into the common man. And William Tyndale did the same. In fact, in fact, Tyndale um, said that he would 
he, his goal in life was to get the, the Bible into the common man. I got this long quote. I'm trying to, to cut it down for you here. He says, um, I shall immediately make faithful promise never to write more, not abide two days in these parts after the same, but immediately to repair unto his realm and there must and, and there most humbly submit myself at the feet of his royal majesty, offering my body to suffer what pain or torture, yea, what death his grace will so that uh, what his what this grace will, so that this translation will be attained. So what he's saying is I will be willing to die and be or to be tortured leading up to my death in order that this translation is is able to be done and and dispersed. He goes on to say, Until that time I will abide in the severity of all the chances whatsoever shall come and endure my life in as many pains as it is able as it is able to bear and suffer. Listen to what the same historian uh, would say about the importance of the personal reading of God's Word. He said, The energy which affected every human life in northern Europe, however, came from a different place. It was not the result of political imposition. The, the energy came from the discovery of the Word of God as originally written in the language of the people. Moreover, it could be read and understood without censorship by the church or mediation through the church. Such reading produced a totally different view of everyday Christianity. Luther, Martin Luther said in the year before he died, let the man who would hear God speak read the Holy Scripture. You want to hear God speak? You want to know what God has to say about some certain issue? Then let him read the Holy Scripture. Luther said in 1533, for a number of years I have now annually read through the Bible twice. Okay, so think about that for a second. Reading through the Bible twice in one year. And he said, if the Bible were a large, mighty tree and all its words were little branches, then I have tapped all of its branches, eager to know what was there and what it had to offer. These men, Tyndale and Luther, gave their lives so that those who came after them, including you and I, could read the Scriptures for ourselves. And, and two things should strike you when, when you think about this. First, men actually died so that you could have a copy of the Scriptures in your hands. In fact, William Tyndale was burned at the stake so that he could, he could get God's Word to us. Secondly, we should recognize that we have a great privilege of holding in our hands and beholding in, with our eyes the very words of God as God has preserved it over centuries. These are not mere stories. This is actually God's Word to us. So there's a historical motivation. Now let's think about a scriptural motivation. Turn to Matthew chapter 4. This is the most, um, I think, important text when it comes to, when it comes to the, the vitality, the necessity, the importance of God's Word. Matthew 4, 4. Okay, so the year two blanks there. People died so that we could have a copy of the Scripture. We have the privilege of reading the very words of God. Okay, died and words. How about a scriptural motivation? Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus is responding to Satan in the wilderness, and he says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So Jesus is making a, an analogy here that if a person doesn't eat physical food, what will eventually happen? He dies. And can I suggest to you that the same is true spiritually? that if you don't eat your spiritual food, you will die. Now, it doesn't mean that 
you'll lose your salvation. It means that you never had life in the first place. But reading God's Word is one of the primary ways that we feast on God. D.L. Moody said it this way, A man can no more take in the supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough for six months. Right? Sometimes we like to think, well, I'll just, I'll just fill up with the Word of God as much as I can, maybe this on Sunday, today, and then throughout the week, I'll be fine. I'll just come back to it. He said, you can't do that with food, and you can't do that with spiritual food either. We need to be constantly taking it in. He goes on, D.L. Moody says, no more can he take in sufficient air into his lungs to sustain him for a week. You see the, the analogy there? It's like the Word of God is this air that we need to suck in and, and, and actually use to, to, um, to, to uh, build up our bodies and then, um, and then we need some more. Again, we need another breath. We must, he goes on to say, we must draw upon God's boundless store of grace from day to day as we need it. So you might say, well, do I really have to read? Can I just come to church and hear the Word, God, word of God preach? Can I just listen to a sermon on the phone or some, uh, on my phone or my computer or something? Merely listening to God's Word and never reading it is going to cultivate in you most likely a, 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 a mindset of passivity, which will lead to sin. In other words, if you want to open up the gateway to sin... Then, then become passive about how you view the Scriptures. Remember what Psalm 119.11 says, Your word have I treasured, have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So, so do you see that how the, the word is actually kind of that, that guardrail or that, that gate that protects us from sin? You know, the reason that we're in so much sin is, is we're, that we're not in the word of God enough. There's a direct correlation. There's no substitute for that daily, personal digging into the deep things of God through His Word. So that a life void of personal reading, study, meditation, prayer is a life that breeds passivity. The contrast with that is what I think the Scriptures calls, calls for, what Jesus is suggesting here through His uh, quotation of Deuteronomy 10, which is that we cannot live by bread alone, but, but by the Word of God. We, can, we cannot have a meaningful existence apart from God speaking to us. Now, we can have a meaningful existence apart from physical food. Do you realize that? Jesus did, right? For 40 days, he had a meaningful existence without food. We could actually die of starvation and have a meaningful existence. But we cannot have a meaningful existence apart from God's Word. We cannot rely on others' knowledge of God's Word either. Okay, sometimes what we think is, well, I'll, I'll just listen to this person talk about God's Word. I don't need to look at it myself. And, and we can no more rely on someone else's knowledge of God's Word than we can rely on, let's say, a friend of our son so that we can know our son. So if I want to know my son more, well, I'm just going to go talk to his friend. I don't need to talk to him directly, right? I can just go talk to his friend, see what he thinks about my son. You see how indirect that becomes? What God has provided for us and what we should take advantage of is that we have a copy of the Scriptures. And we should be checking the Scriptures daily to see if what is being said is true. We should be cultivating this relationship with God, not depending on someone else to spoon-feed us, so to speak. Right? We need to go to God, God's Word on its own. Isn't it interesting that Jesus often would rebuke the Pharisees with this phrase, Have you not read? Right? It's, it's like, you, you should have known this. 
This is in the Scriptures. You're, you're confused about all these things. But, but have you not read in the Scriptures what it says? And when he's tempted by Satan, he says, it is written. So his constant source of strength and, and um, turning from evil is the Word of God, and ours should be the same. So let's talk about some practical tips. Number one, find the time. How do we get started? We find the time. As sinful people, it is our heart and our flesh's first inclination to steer away from God, to make excuses. You know, I'm too tired today to spend time with God. I, I can't get up that early. I have to be at work early, so I can't spend the time in God's Word. And then I come home and I'm too tired or busy. Or, you know, I'm, I'm hungry right now. I, I'll read after I get done eating and then it never happens. Or, you know, I don't get to hang out with these people often, so... You know, God wouldn't mind if I just get some good fellowship time in with other people rather than reading God's Word. So if you have a family, a husband, wife, kids, you know that it's hard to get time alone with God, isn't it? But remember, all the people who were vying for Jesus' time, right? And yet He still made time to spend a, a solitary time with God. Maybe you're, you just read so much you know, throughout the rest of your life. Maybe your job requires you to do a lot of reading. Maybe you read a lot of novels and you just think, you know, I just don't want to read anymore. Well, I hope you recognize that there's a great difference between the reading that you have to do for work or the reading that you do for recreation and the reading that there is of God's Word. Right? It's When you read God's Word, you're actually reading the words of the divine Creator. And the Word of God is designed to refresh you, to challenge you. And, and it is meant to be like, like this, this bubbling spring of fresh water that we can just go to and draw help and strength from. You see, the problem is that we, it's not that we don't have time, it's that we don't make time. Um, my dad used to say, I've mentioned this multiple times, but I'll say it again. You have time for what you want to have time for. Okay, so when I would say, Dad, I don't have time to, to hang out with the family, or I don't have time to, he's like, you have time for what you want to have time for. Okay, we make priorities based on what is most important to us. So let me illustrate for you um, that, that you could make time for scriptures if you valued it enough. Suppose that I, I told you that I had a check for you with $10,000 and your name on it. Suppose... And I said, in order for you to get that check, you need to come to me after class, and I'll give it to you. Well, I would guess that if you were like me, you would just drop everything at that kind of an offer and pursue me whatever it took. So if, if I was you know, surrounded by a bunch of people, you would push your way through to make sure you got your check. If, you know, If your shirt was on fire, you'd be like, I don't care about that. I've got to get my check. Even if I got in the car and drove off, you would follow me, wouldn't you? Make sure you got that check. But suppose that after the service, you head straight out the back door and never see me, never get the check. What would that say about you? Well, it would say at least three things, or one of three things, I should say. One, you don't trust me. You know, this guy's a, a shyster. He's a charlatan. He, how, how can I know that he's going to follow through on this? He doesn't have a check with my name on it. Or it could be that you're ignorant. You don't know the value of $10,000. Right? You think something else is is of greater value. You know, if you give a little kid a stack of 
$100 bills and a sucker, which one do you think he's going to take? Right? He doesn't understand the difference between $10,000 and a sucker. He doesn't understand the value. Or it could be that you have something of greater value, right? That someone else has offered you. Someone else maybe offered you 20000 or 100000 if you go and see them right after the service. And so you pass up something of lesser value. What I'm saying is that if we don't go to the treasure that is the Scriptures, it's very likely, or it is because of one of those three reasons. Either we don't trust that what God is saying is true, that, that this is the source of life, it is the source of wisdom, and that, as Proverbs 2 says, we should search for it as for hidden treasure. Say, we don't, tr- we don't trust God enough. Or, it could be, we don't understand the value of, of God's Word. Right? We have, this, we have this, this scripture here, and we see something else shiny and beautiful, which turns out to be fool's gold, that sucker. You know? We don't realize that, that it's actually that it's actually the greatest of greatest value. Or it could be that we think there's something of greater value somewhere else. If someone's offered us this pleasure of sin or maybe just denying the Scripture, denying Christ, following after our lusts, we don't understand the value of what God has offered here. See, the point is, is not that we don't have the time, it's that we don't value the Word of God enough. And so let me encourage you to write down this passage, Proverbs 2, and look at the value of the Word of God this week. What, what is it that's so valuable about God's Word? And there are two primary things in that passage that you'll see. First, it helps you to understand the ways of God. And second, it helps you to avoid evil. And that's what that whole chapter is all about. Pursue after it as for hidden treasure. You will not be disappointed. The average American watches TV for how many hours a day? What do you think? Well, there's lots of number, number of reports I came across. I saw several but the the one that i felt seemed most accurate was three and i don't know how exactly to test that but but the most recent study i think a lot of people are now using their recreational time more on the internet and their phones and things and less on tv but 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 another two hours on the internet so probably five hours a day on average a person consumes media a day you know how long it would take to read the entire bible two times like luther did in a year how long per day do you think? Two hours, three hours, five hours, 20 minutes. 20 minutes. So you could read through the Bible in, in one year at only 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes a day. There's a, a website. Just type in Google how, you know, how long does it take to read through the Bible. And they have a website that will test your... It'll test your reading speed, how many words per minute you read, and then based on that, you tell it how often you want to read it, read the scriptures, and it'll tell you how long each one takes. Uh, They have audio Bibles. I think it's 70 hours altogether that it takes to read through the entire Bible. So you could actually read the Bible in an entire month at just two hours a day. It's kind of a big challenge. I've never done it that fast. fastest I've done is six months. Um, but if you want to beat that record, let me know. No, it's not a bad thing to read through the scriptures. Uh, I I have personally encouraged our church to take some time and just do one Old Testament chapter and one New Testament chapter because sometimes what we can do in the fast reading of scripture is that we can skip over things. And what I'd rather have us do is to to stop and and just take some time and and think about what we're reading. Um, but it is good to to read it at other times 
in larger chunks. So maybe you want to do the 90-day challenge or something like that where you read through the Bible in 90 days. But it's good to get into the Scriptures. So what time of the day should I read? Jesus read in the morning. Uh, it seems like a lot of the pattern of the Scripture was that people would read in the mornings. Um, so I understand that doesn't work for everybody based on job schedules and, and whatever. But I would say that when, you're, when your mind is at its peak, uh, ideally, that would be the time to do it. Um, if you're not a morning person, maybe that's not the best time for you. How much time do you need to spend? Um, well, I would say that don't buy into the lie that I can just take and spend some quality time with God. It doesn't matter about the quantity of time, I'll just spend quality time. So I'll spend this quality five minutes and just really focus on God. But how would that work in cultivating a relationship in your family, right? Honey, I'm not going to spend a lot of time with you, but I'm going to spend five quality minutes with you. Right? That's not going to work. Okay? That doesn't work with God either. So I would suggest to you that, that build up some good quantity time with God. Maybe that's 20 minutes of reading and then 15 to 30 minutes of praying. Maybe it's an hour praying, whatever. Uh, you know where you're at now. You know where the next step is. Maybe you need to be at several hours or whatever it is. But, but what is the next step? What, what more can I push myself towards this year to spend a little bit more time in God's Word and in prayer? All right, what what should I read here? Um, I would suggest that we, you make a plan and then meditate on what you read. Okay, make a plan and then meditate on what you read. If you don't plan for anything, you're probably not going to do it. So make a plan that I'm going to read. I'm going to take out this time of the day, every day, to spend time with God. And... Um, and then make sure you have something that you're going to read when you get there. Again, I've, I've given us, as a church, a suggestion of what you can do. But if you have another reading schedule that you use, great. If you think, maybe I'm just going to study through the book of Romans this year. I'm just going to read through a chapter of Romans every day. And I'll just get through it, you know, 15, 20 times this year, whatever it takes. Um, that's not bad. Just make sure you have a plan. Because if you just go there and say, okay, let's see, I'm reading the Bible today. And just kind of go to where our Bible opens and, oh, yeah, this is one of the passages I really like. And they see it again. And, and that's good. I mean, the Scriptures are helpful. Better than not reading at all, I would suggest. But, but even better than that would be to make a plan and, and stick to that plan. And then, based on what you read, um, meditate on what you read. So, even if it's just a couple chapters like, you know, I've, I've offered for our church to do, um, even if it's a couple chapters, just think about, okay, one word, one phrase, one verse... What can I meditate on today that, that has struck me that I need to be thinking about and that needs to be informing how I live and how I, how I act? All right? So our goal in this cultivating relationship is to know God more, to know ourselves in light of Him, and to see the world from God's perspective. And so um, we should go to the Word expecting to learn from it, ask questions of it, and then go away from it meditating on it. All right. Any questions or comments? Quickly, Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know of a similar story. Um, the guy that I'm recommending the book from. Um, this month, Mark Dever, he was 
an agnostic, so um, he didn't trust the things of the scriptures. Kind of either way, I, I don't know if it's true or not. I just don't. I, I'm not interested. And um, he started just reading through the scriptures uh, as an older man, um, middle-aged man probably. And then, and then that's how the Lord saved him. And God often does that. Um, that that um, it is a source of our very life and. It's no less the source of our life for us when we first come to Christ than it is now as we continue to to live, right? It's that first breath that that we need in order to live, but it's our constant breath that we need to make it to the end. And so we need to be in the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word and and help us to, to love it more and to treasure it like we ought to. In Jesus' name, amen.